The gospel lesson for today is from Luke 19. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will be fine tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, these were silent, the stones would shout out. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd always imagine Jesus' statement that if these blessed is the king shouting parade goers were silent, the stones would shout out to mean something like Psalm 148. They're like the mountains, hills, trees, wild animals, cattle, creeping things, flying birds, everything, praise God. Even the stones beneath their feet would join in the chorus. Then I read Habakkuk. You should read Habakkuk. Three short chapters about how to keep the faith when it seems that evil is winning. A promising conclusion that God will ultimately win the day. And as a bonus, it is fun to say Habakkuk. In the middle of Habakkuk, we find these words. You have devised shame for your house. By cutting off many peoples, you have forfeited your life. The very stones will cry out from the wall. And the plaster will respond from the woodwork. Which sounds a lot like if these walls could talk. Only Habakkuk and Jesus are not saying if these walls could talk. They're saying if the people aren't allowed to or choose not to speak the truth, then these walls made of stone will. The truth will be spoken, whether it's Jesus' disciples or the stones that surround them who do the speaking. I understand why some of the Pharisees asked Jesus, commanded Jesus to tell his disciples to get quiet. The Pharisees were leaders in the Jewish community. They would be the first to be blamed if any sort of 
of insurrection came about, any treasonous words were spoken from their people's mouths. They wanted everything calm. The Romans were already on high alert status as pilgrims arrived for the Passover. Day by day, Greater Jerusalem was growing by more and more people. Tensions were always highest at the times of the high holy days. It was already enough in the atmosphere to annoy the Roman king's representatives, calling a Galilean preacher, teacher, healer, king, could have just been the match to light the powder keg. Tell them to be quiet, the anxious Pharisees commanded Jesus. No, he said. No. No, no, no. There's no point. If my disciples were silent, the stones themselves would cry out. I'd like to hear what the stones would have to say. Not only because I think it would be fun to see happen. I have this claymation image in my mind of stones and mouths and tongues talking. But even more so because no one would expect the stones to talk. Which means people would have let their guard down around those stones. They would have said and done anything around those stones, revealed their truest selves around those stones, because stones can't listen, and stones can't talk. And since stones can't listen and stones can't talk, no one had taken the time to prejudice them or try to curry their favor or attempt to influence them in a certain way. Those stones just stood there silently holding up the house or surrounding the city and taking it all in. So if anything has an objective perspective about how things were, it was the stones that stood there silently observing the people around them. If those stones would just talk. And Jesus said they would, but the people wouldn't. If the people were silent about who it was who was entering the city, the stones would not be. If the people kept quiet about how they had ignored and mistreated others, the stones would cry out. If the people did not proclaim who was the true king, the stones would shout it. I like that the stones did not have to shout it out because the people were doing so. They shouted as Jesus passed through. They, they showed us our role in this, that we're to name our king, that we're to claim our king, Jesus. I also like that if they didn't shout, if we don't shout, Jesus is no less king. God graciously gives us free will which means we can deny with our words and our actions that Jesus is king. We're allowed that. We can live as though Jesus is not the king of our lives. It's our choice. We can do all of that. And it will affect our lives, but it won't affect the ultimate truth that Jesus is king whether we say so or not. 
whether we live so or not. That God ultimately wins whether or not we contribute to the victory. If you're looking for your place in this story, maybe you're the one who's to be shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Maybe you're the one who finds yourself attempting to quiet the crowd. Not bring too much attention to the fact that we claim Jesus as the name above all names. Or maybe your place in the story is yet to come. Are you Peter? Who swore you would never deny Jesus, even if it cost you your life, and then did so that very night. Are you the women who followed Jesus from a distance all the way up to and through the crucifixion and then were the first to go and tend to his body and as a result were the first to go and proclaim the resurrection? There's so many roles for Jesus' disciples to play. From shouting praises to betrayal. From being served serving, and none of those either caused or prevented Jesus from being king. He was. He is. He always will be. What that means for us is that we have roles to play too. Our parts in this drama, we are not inconsequential to the living and sharing of the Christian faith. It also means that Jesus' triumph is not dependent upon us. It happened. It continues. If we won't celebrate it, the stones, those overlooked, impenetrably unbiased stones will. They will cry out for justice' sake. They will cry out for Jesus' sake. If we won't, they will. I know the preaching formula calls for me to share a personal story about this at this time. That's a challenge. I've been to parades, but never once where a king was present. I've been around stones, but I haven't seen or heard one talk. The closest I've come to a story like this is processing into worship with young children obediently waving their palm branches and and older ones self-consciously doing so. Thinking that they're too old for this because they look around and anyone who's older than they are not waving palm branches. What the older ones are doing is singing their hosannas reverently, politely, reservedly. I've been part of processions, worshipful processions, that either reveal that we don't really believe we need a Savior, or that we're so accustomed to the reality that we have one that we've begun to take it all for granted. If it's one of those, I hope it's the latter. But I'd ask for more from us. 
I'd ask us to live as though it does depend upon us. As though there is no backup plan, no stones that will cry out if we don't. I'd ask us to hear, Hosanna, Lord, save us, not as a funny word we sing aloud once a year, but as a petition, a plea that we pray every day because we recognize that as individuals, as a community, as a broken world, we need a Savior. I'd ask us to cry out for justice for those who have no voice so that they don't have to wait for stones to cry out on their behalf. I'd ask us to put ourselves into this story so that the story won't have to go on without us. I'd ask us to be the kind of disciples that would put Jesus in the position of saying, look, if these disciples didn't cry out, I've got some stones that will. But I think those stones will be able to remain silent because my disciples won't. Let us pray. Jesus, we join the throngs of people calling you king. We join, too, the throngs of people with divided loyalties. We walk the tightrope of our loyalties to family, friends, church, community, nation, world, work, interests, self-interest, fears, anxieties, desires, and you. At times, by your spirit, we get our priorities in the right spirit, in the right order, but often we confess they're out of whack. Often without our even recognizing it. Awaken us that we might be your loyal faithful, devoted disciples. Saving Lord, knowing that we won't get it all right, knowing that we are imperfect and living in an imperfect world, a world of misplaced priorities where we do and and others do the very things we hate, we cry out, Hosanna. Because we need your salvation. Save us, Lord Jesus. And restore us to be those who see ourselves and others as created in your image. And who live as such. These things we pray in your holy name. King and Savior and Lord.